Goldie was a woman gifted in hospitality. She was the kind of woman who kept cookie dough in the freezer just in case someone stopped by unexpectedly or in case she didn't already have a cake on the stand. In her later years, as her health declined and she didn't use the oven anymore, she didn't have a cake, but she kept those individually wrapped cakes. Some of you might be, know the Little Debbies. She would keep a bunch of those that she knew everybody liked on the cake stand. And I often wondered, like, who would stop by her house off this dirt road unexpectedly? But I never questioned. I never asked. And perhaps it was the hope of a visitor that brought joy enough to prepare herself and the table for another day. There's always more to a story if we sit with it long enough, read it more closely. And Goldie loved a good story, and a fairy tale, too, as much as she loved good food. Like fairy tales, there's a predictable structure where the main character, who's usually already overcome some kind of adversity and has gifts that are being underutilized until there's a clash against some antagonist who clearly represents evil, and then there's the happily ever after. In some ways, the story of Mary's role as the mother of Jesus has been shaped into a sort of fairy tale, though with a complicated ending, depending on where we stop. But aren't there some Cinderella-esque aspects of Mary's tale? The unlikely lady ending up as the mother of God, her Galilean garb transformed into yards of royal blue and blood-red fabrics, haloed in gold and demurely and serenely depicted for the ages. If we keep the story simple, maybe it will be easier to grasp. Mary was young, a virgin, and faithfully obedient to God to accept what was asked of her. And she had a capable man at her side. Everything was aligned for God's will to be done. And you can come back this evening for the joyful conclusion and her happily ever after. But as you who strive to walk in faith know, faithful obedience is anything but a fairy tale or a clearly outlined story, at least not this side of glory. Even our celebration of the incarnation is not an end in and of itself, but another beginning part of the ongoing story of our relationship with the Almighty. To sanitize or minimize the situation in which Mary found herself and lived her whole life does not help us. God's in-breaking is always where we are in the fullness of reality. Now, Mary offered herself, her life, and her service not to fulfill some fairy tale dream, but because she had pre prepared herself to be faithful, even and especially when if it was difficult. She wasn't necessarily supported by the society she lived, but her family, her community, undoubtedly nurtured her in their tradition and beliefs. She had the gift of faith. Unlike Zechariah, she didn't convey cynicism toward God's will. Sure, she questioned it, what reasonable person wouldn't. And she pondered, and, and don't you know, she trembled at the enormity of being faced with God's favor, even if it was offered to her as comfort. For those of us who have a hard time accepting a compliment, imagine being told by Gabriel, by the strength of God, that you are the favored one, that God is with you 
all the while everything else is closing in on why you should be cast out. All around Mary, the empire breathed heavily in its oppression, and the custom of the time devalued her as a female, let alone as a youth, soon to be pregnant and unwed. She had no power, and yet she had God's favor. She who was young, she who was a minority, she who had no experience, she, sh she who had nothing to lose in history except everything. This encounter gives her a name for all time. This story is recorded in our Holy Scripture. This annunciation gives her both choice and voice in its announcement and invitation, if not initiation, into her vocation as the autokos, as the God-bearer. And Mary's story is not a Cinderella story because it's not about her triumph or her rise to fame or her happy ending. God's favor of her did not promise a life of privilege. And if we learn anything from how God calls God's servants, it's always about what God wills and about our surrender. Recall our first lesson today. King David thought all was well, and oh, what an oversight. God needs a better abode, a better, more permanent structure to house the holy of holies. And the prophet Nathan agrees, of course, the king should do as he pleases. He's earned it, and it gives praise to God, doesn't it? But then God sends the message to Nathan, a course correction of sorts. God doesn't need such a thing. And God hasn't instructed David to do anything outside of what has already been clearly outlined. God gave the king rest and the promise of provision. And God gave the prophet a word to make sure that all is clear. And God will continue to reveal what needs to be done in God's time according to divine will. The king will have to take a seat. And the prophet will have to recant his own words so that God's word can be heard, obeyed, and followed faithfully. The ego of King David contrasts Mary's humility quite sharply, yet the role of servant in God's kingdom remains. Dr. Will Gaffney reminds us that at that time, servant and slave had the same meaning, that what Mary agrees to is to be God's woman slave, even womb slave. And it's hard for me to hear that in a positive way, and yet Faithful obedience to God demands our whole selves. A remarkable thing Dr. Gaffney points out is that Mary consented to giving God ownership of her body, ownership that slaveholders claimed without consent. In so many ways, God ignores societal norms and defies expectation. God repeatedly works in unexpected ways through unlikely people from kings and maidens to us and our neighbors. And in some ways, Mary's story is a Cinderella story. It's a story of liberation, a story of defying all odds, all powers and principalities of the world. It's a promise of deliverance in the midst of the rubble of this life for those who seemingly have no power, no voice, no choice, no hope for anything different. It's a story of mutual love because God so loved the world and Mary so loved God. The holy and mystery-filled consummation is one that defies our human 
understanding, but, but holds within it all consent and tenderness and intimacy, the seed of change, a promise fulfilled, a story to be continued throughout the ages because of a life that would come to be. It's a critical part of our Christian story. And because Mary said, here am I, let it be with me according to your word, we move toward our celebration of the incarnation. Like Mary, may we be ready to receive such news as the goodness it is, even if it terrifies us to our core and surpasses our understanding. Following Mary's example, may we too be ready and willing to offer ourselves in obedience to God's will, or at least be willing to entertain a visit. God's already saved us all, and yet there is work to do for the mighty to be cast down and the lowly lifted. God continues to remember the promise of mercy and persists in love with us. So whoever we are and whatever our gifts, God is working within and among us in wholly unexpected ways, always inviting us to be gracious hosts for the holy. And how we have prepared ourselves, not only during Advent, but for all of our lives or anew in this day. How we support one another and how we respond makes all the difference in the roles we fill in the ongoing story of God's love. Amen.